Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Film Podcast. Uh, this is Rahul Desai here. Uh, I'm a film critic for Film Companion. I have with me um, Uday Bhatia from Mint and Ishita Sengupta from OTT Play. I think this is a regular routine now. So uh, I think uh, some of you recent listeners might be familiar with all three of us. Uh, Uday is back from his very fancy travel. So finally, he is back to talking about film and not... Uh, just fancy food and places on his social media accounts, which is uh, my way of being bitter before we start this conversation. We are going to be discussing two titles today. Uh, both of them, um, I, one of them released like um, a, a week, the week before last and one last week. We'll start with the Hindi film, um, which was the main release last week called Bloody Daddy, directed by Ali Abbas Zafar. Um, it's a Shahid Kapoor starer. It is streaming on Geo Cinema for free for those who are interested so um so it takes even lesser to watch streaming films now and uh, uh, just a few lines about bloody daddy before we get into our uh, discussion and i think all three of us reviewed it as well uh, i'm not sure how they reviewed it from thousands of miles away but that is his commitment to cinema uh, and um, and after that we will be moving on to spider man across the spider verse which uh, which Shudha and me uh, will be talking about and um, Ishita will um, be leaving after Bloody Daddy. So, a uh, few lines. Um, Ali Abbas Zafar, as we know, I think we mentioned him a couple of times when we were doing a Salman Khan podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, better known as the dire- only director who made Salman Khan act in the last 20 years. Uh, also, uh, the director of shows, uh, the controversial show Thunder, which most of you are familiar with. Uh, he directed Jogi last year also, which I didn't find half bad, which was actually quite a decent attempt. Uh, this is his new film. Uh, it's it's a remake of a French film uh, uh, called Sleepless Night, uh, which was made in 2011. Uh, at this point, I would make a joke to there because it's a French film, but uh, I'm guessing he hasn't seen it. And um, uh, it's also technically a remake of the uh, Tamil film that... Uh, that um, uh, followed after that, which was a remake of the film, with, uh, which starred um, which uh, starred Kamal Hassan. I think it was Tamil and Telugu made simultaneously. Um, so Shahid Kapoor plays uh, an NCB officer, which is a narcotics officer called Sumer. Uh, the entire film is set in more or less in Delhi and Gurgaon. Uh, a lot of it is set in a very fancy seven-star hotel. He plays an NCB officer who, at the beginning of the film, um, intercepts and steals a uh, sort of a drug a cocaine load uh, in, in the middle of Connaught place we are in 2021 which was just after the second wave of the pandemic so the film writes the pandemic into uh, itself and uh, he uh, sort of steals the drugs he steals the shipment uh, which was basically belonged to a drug lord called Sikandar who is played by Ronit Roy and uh, he, so the the implication is that he is technically a Karapka who is trying to earn a quick buck uh, with his partner, uh, who is um, played by Zishan Kadri, who's, uh, his name is Jaggi. And both of them sort of steal the cocaine. But uh, once Ronit Roy's character, um, Sikandar, finds out about it, he quickly kidnaps uh, Sumer's son. Uh, at the same time, we see that Sumer and his son are so more sort of estranged. They, he's going through a divorce with his wife and the son is spending time with the father. They don't have a good relationship. They're uh, having a staycation in Gurgaon because that's how people used to have holidays back in the pandemic during the lockdown. So um, Sumer's son is kidnapped 
uh, which um, basically uh, by Sikandar, which basically means that Sumer has to go to the Seven Star Hotel and uh, over one night of chaos rescue his son from Sikandar and his thugs. Uh, there are a bunch of other characters uh, involved. Sanjay Kapoor is there. Diana Penty plays a colleague of Sumer, uh, an honest NCB officer. There's Rajiv Khandelwal who plays a corrupt, uh, another corrupt NCP officer. I think he's the boss of uh, Sumer. And uh, and as as tends to be the case in a lot of these action thrillers based over the course of one night, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of um, uh, there a lot of unintentionally and intentionally funny scenes with the gangsters and with uh, uh, Shahid Kapoor's character Sumer. Um, and it's it's more or less um, not an unfamiliar template which been which we've been seeing in action thrillers over the years. Um, so yeah, that's more or less the few lines about uh, Bloody Daddy. My first impression was that I actually ended up enjoying it a little bit more than I expected to. But then I also call that the Ali Abbas Zafar uh, problem, which we'll come back to soon. Uh, I think all three of us have similar impressions about the film in the sense that um, I think there was something in the film. Uday, you mentioned that, you know, eventually it was a lost opportunity, which I very much agree with. Uh, I think Ishita and me also, I think, enjoyed parts of it and then real. And then it snapped back to some very serious version of itself, which was the same problem with Jogi in its third act also, for those who've seen it. So it's not the first time it's happened with the Alibaz Safar film. Uh, uh, tell me about sort of how you um, sort of process the film. Um, should I go? Uh, so uh, I, uh, I hadn't really uh, thought much about the film because as you mentioned, I was having a fancy break from life. Uh, but I got back just in time to watch this, so you know, yay! Uh, and um, I don't know, I uh, just from the title and and from the hurried look at the trailer, which I did, it looked like a, a it a promised a very pulpy kind of the uh, thriller in more like something that Sanjay Dutt would be in rather than Shahid Kapoor. And um, I, I thought it was probably based on something East Asian, but it turns out it's a French film. I, I don't know. Did either of you see it? Uh, yeah. Sleepless Night. Um, mm. So anyways, uh, so uh, and a very similar, um, you know, obviously a similar plot. And they've kind of taken that and adapted and put uh, Shahid Kapoor, who has... Uh, as Rahul mentioned in his review, kind of almost seems to be uh, meta commenting on other Shahid Kapoor roles uh, of late, which I found very funny. Um, uh, immediately, I uh, one thing struck me, which is that they have this really nice opening sequence, I thought, where um, uh, where uh, Sumer and uh, Jaggi is played by Zishan Kadri are, uh, you know, these two corrupt uh, NCB officers and they take the drugs off these, uh, off, the, off the drug runners. And uh, it's a very lovely sequence. It's in Connaught Place on early uh, on a November morning. So you have that, you know, that little mist and uh, it's absolutely empty. And... Uh, it's it's a great setting for a set piece and I thought it, it comes off really nicely and that's well done and it really starts off the film with a purpose. But, you know, the, the this film was not, is not only set in COVID uh, times but it was apparently shot 
uh, in COVID times and, you know, with those restrictions. And and the film does make, uh, I mean, does make use of those restrictions uh, in its single setting, almost single setting uh, uh, of, of a hotel. Uh, but I thought it could have gone further and given us a feel of life during that time. And I, I thought that was something I expected a little more of as the film wore on. And I didn't get much of that. And I thought that was something that uh, the the opening sequence made me feel like there would be a lot more of that to come. You know, that, that sort of eerie and emptiness of Connaught Place. And... Um, I, I think that was kind of missing as it went on. Maybe I should not have expected that from this film because it's a film that kind of uses the COVID setting but doesn't really do much with it. And perhaps that's all I should have expected, but I was hoping for a little more in that respect. Yeah, uh, it's interesting what Uday said because I feel like because I didn't go with any expectation, I liked the film more. Um, I feel like watching an Ali Abba Zafar movie is like a film in itself because you have the whole arc of of you watching something with zero expectation and then really getting sucked into his world and then, you know, thinking that the movie is probably better than what you thought it would be and then getting disappointed. So there's a proper arc which happens when you watch his films, especially his later films. And uh, the same thing happened when I went for Bloody Daddy. I hadn't seen the trailer. I had literally no expectation from the film i'll be honest it the uh, uh, from the poster it seemed like any other regular uh, like a shahid kapoor mindless action film and uh, the opening sequence which uh, uday refers to i even then i was not it, it did not strike me as something i was like okay fine it's covid it's it's cp and it's you know it's winter morning it's during uh, covid i get the appeal and then, of course, there is the, he goes back, like, uh, the scene which Uday just described. After that, uh, Shahid goes to the hotel where he meets his uh, very annoying son. And there is an exposition dump which happens where uh, the son is basically telling the father, you have been an absent father and you're selfish. And by then, my expectations were further dipping from the film. And I think it's mm-hmm. just after he is kidnapped, as Rahul said, by Sikandar, Ronitroy's character, is when the film really starts becoming funny. And I started like enjoying it despite uh, my preconceived notions. So those were my first impressions. Rahul, do you remember what you thought of it when you were watching it? The first yeah, impressions. Yeah, it's pretty much the same arc. I think we uh, might have discussed it also because that that just happens with me a lot when I'm watching Ali Abaza for movies. Like it happened during Thunder. I remember eventually. I was left underwhelmed, but I'd started with absolutely zero expectations. I'd started getting engaged with the show and then I got disappointed because it promised something at some point of time. I think uh, same thing with Jogi and uh, uh, even um, even Sultan for that matter, where, where Salman Khan actually gives a performance. Uh, even though the film was underwhelming, you start to appreciate things a little differently when, you, when you're watching it. So I, I feel like Bloody Daddy, more or less the same experience because... Um, Again, you know, I like that setting, that entire COVID uh, sort of uh, setup, because I think the previous film, obviously the French film, and then the Tamil film didn't have a COVID era setting because it's been year, it was years ago. And I, I think it was a smart idea on paper to use, you know, sort of CPMT, uh, you know, just on the verge of coming out of lockdown. Uh, the second wave has just gotten over and very 
frivolous rich people are desperate to party and that's why the night of that seven star is very alluring in that sense the way they've shot the entire hotel because i believe it's night clubs in the original film uh, or um, or something similar to that year the context uh, and i agree with odai that that was more or less the only outdoor scene the cp scene in the beginning that mm. we see the space was so nice it was the only outdoor scene but i feel like there was a i feel like a lot of the 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 reason for introducing this 2021 pandemic setting was so that we watch i think the rest of the film differently in the hotel because a lot of the um slight funniness or slight humor that we derive in the first half of the film at least uh, when ronit roy is you know all eccentric and shahid kapoor is trying to make his way to him and negotiate with him and he hides the drug somewhere and it disappears because dana pent is just uh, uh, doing her job so it, it, i think a lot of that or, is derived or, from or the not doing her job for, <laughs> for a lot or of not people. doing her job which which will come she, to she, also she's doing her job and just like making everything worse at every step really <laughs> wow that thought i mean for sure there's an argument to be made is she even real right <laughs> in the film <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah we will we, we'll come to that later it really depends on perspective how you want to look at these things because some things are so bad that you just start rationalizing it in your head it's like trauma processing but uh, yeah we'll come to dana pentis terrible performance and character soon um but i think a lot of the our whatever little enjoyment i derive from you know the first um, one hour of the film at least uh when you know things are really moving fast in the hotel there's head pieces there's then back to ronit roy's lair where he you know he consistently does a kk menon in a very nice ominous sinister villainish way he's you can sense he's having a blast you know with his character because he tends to play like these really serious villains most of the time this is the first time you can uh, sense he's enjoying the camp so i i feel like a lot of that is down to the fact that we are aware of the fact that the wedding that's happening in the hotel which is a sort of nri quasi nri wedding and the people who are enjoying themselves they come and take off their masks even though they say masks are necessary to enter um uh, i i think that entire sort of white lotus ish almost tone uh, comes from the fact that we know the pandemic is going on even though we don't have a sense that anyone is following the rules nobody is wearing a mask there's a go corona go chant in the nightclub where the dj starts shouting it that's more or less it there's nothing more than that uh, there are restrictions but only for middle class or poor people the rich people in this hotel or the people who are gathered in this setting it doesn't really apply to i feel like a lot of that subconsciously adds to uh, what we are watching or not the urgency of the plot itself because the plot is very you know average and it is very normal it's a father just trying to reach his son which we've seen 100 times before in so many hollywood films as well but uh, i i guess that setting subconsciously made me enjoy parts of the parts of the film more because we knew that this is full of rich oblivious corrupt people uh, who don't give a shit about covid and want to are doing anything to resuscitate their business and their lives and these are the people we used to read about in newspapers where they used to have super spreader events i i started looking at this event as that uh, partic- as those kind of headlines which is why i guess uh, i i enjoyed parts of like at least uh, the first hour of the film i did like the little bit with the with the coke uh, the uh, the nepali coke uh which i thought was really nicely done and uh, the you know whom 
Sumer uh, bullies like through all his scenes, but then in the end he feels bad for him because you know he can't pay rent because of you know because of the lockdown the hotel had shut down so he wasn't getting paid so he couldn't pay rent so he's going to be evicted and he actually thinks sumer is there to uh, to catch him for not paying rent but uh, in the end uh, you know sumer leaves him the the rent money and he's he's kind of you know there's there's a sweetness about that guy and i thought that was like a nice little side story that uses the pandemic to you know just tell a little story of something so it doesn't like you know mm. underline it or anything and it's kind of used for comedy uh, but i thought that was a very effective uh, kind of little interlude out there yeah also i feel like um, in both uh, like as you said i feel like uh, they used for me at least i felt they used covid pretty well like i i really enjoyed how they uh, used the setting without uh, reducing it and even then like evoking laughter out of it uh, for instance that scene when uh, he replaces uh, because he has lost the bag of uh, drugs shahid's character replaces it with atta and uh, sanjay kapoor who is the dreaded drug lord of sorts he tries to taste it and he can't uh, he doesn't get any taste and this mukesh <laughs> bhat character says ki aapko aapko covid ho gaya ki aapko taste nahi aa raha i thought it was very well done like i was laughing So I thought those mm. little little moments where they uh, took uh, like they used uh, COVID and pandemic really well, or even that sequence when uh, that party, as Rahul said, is going on, and there's a queue outside that uh, fancy hotel, and a guy comes, and just when he's about to enter, they say that he is positive, and he loses his shit because he can't enter the party. So I thought th- these little moments were very well done. Yeah, um, yeah, that uh, I, I remember. I was feeling a little nervous when the Nepali cook scene was going on. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, because I think it, was, I was worried it was going to be become offensive at some point. But uh, you know, as Uday mentioned, I think they did the balance very well. You know, deriving comedy out of something like a pandemic now or someone's mm. genuine predicament, like it was in the case of the Nepali cook, couldn't pay his rent. Assume Shahid Kapoor was a cop who had come to arrest him, and then that chaos coming out of it. could have gone wrong you know it it could have in the hands of a lesser filmmaker lesser writer might have gone wrong and we've seen it happen uh, they, they cross the line all the time when it comes to sort of doing this sort of humor and i feel like that's why raj and dk do it so well in most of their films and shows and i, I felt like there were there were glimpses of raj and dk's sort of humor in that scene which I, of course it may also seem because we just watched farzi with had shahid kapoor for like Eight or ten full episodes, so it feels like he's been on screen for the last two years now. Uh, but um, but yeah, it did it did give me that sense of uh, very edgy sort of um, uh, almost offensive humor, which was fun to watch. Actually, the film, the writing, or the filmmaking went all out there. Uh, and again, writing the pandemic into that, and then following it up with the cook later when he's a terrible liar and he can't lie when people come looking for Shahid Kapoor. Uh, <laughs> Which was a nice track because he keeps looking very guiltily at what's happening, yeah. and this is like, "Nay, no, he's not here. He's not here." So it's very, in that sense, it's a very human sort of deriving humor out of a very human uh, situation and reaction. And I like that kind of situational humor where where it's not forced up upon the script and it's making us laugh without really trying too hard. And I think there were a couple of moments in. uh in the first half of the film that did that like a lot of the ronetroy scenes or the way he reacts 
I really enjoyed his performance for one, and I, I thought it was. Um, it reminded me of KK Menon in Farzi, or uh, and it, it was. Uh, the sort of thing where you know the actors having fun, you know the directors having fun uh, filming those scenes as well. Um, and Shahid Kapoor always acts as almost an antidote to that, where he's deadly serious. And I think that's also um, sort of part of the joke, I guess, for for some time. And of course, that's again a double-edged sword because where the film eventually goes wrong for me or sort of fizzles out for me is when. It starts to take itself too seriously to in the final act, which 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 hasn't happened for the first time. But it's a little more jarring, a little more obvious here because this entire action thriller based in a hotel starts losing its sense of humor and starts taking Shahid Kapoor too seriously also as an actor and character, and that never ends well. Yeah. Also, I feel like I, I've not watched the original, but I've like read up, and I feel the the little stun that. Uh, Ali Abbas pulls off at the end is is his own is not in the original script where uh, where he basically turns out to be uh, a kada police officer all the way, and I feel mm. it's a very Indian filmmaker problem where they or Hindi film Hindi filmmaker problem where they constantly try to outsmart you and they feel that they go to any length to to do that which uh, which you know more often than not falls flat because the what I really liked about the film till the last act was how little. uh subtext or context were given to a lot of things and like for example we didn't get a flashback of his uh, of his uh, marriage which obviously has ended the shahid kapoor character they like uh, somehow i thought that he was treating us as an equal he was like i will not give you clues you can draw your own story and then the end completely undid for me in that respect because he was just trying to you know show that that this is what you thought but this is not what it is and the film you know just fell on its face for me Like that's so, what didn't work. So what you're both yes, saying is basically that the kid should have died midway through the film. Uh, I'm not. Even, I'm not even saying that. Who that? Rahul. I I am a big fan of kids. Aren't uh, aren't you? Yeah, I I thought that would be like you know write up your uh, <laughs> <laughs> list of preferences because you know this is. This is another kid who's calling his dad bro. By the way, so yeah. you know. Uh, But I was just very happy when the kid was slapped. I will say. Yeah, kid could have been slapped a bit more. Maybe like I don't know, uh, violently removed from the movie. Also, that might, have, uh, you know, made it the pulpy thriller that it wants to be, but never kind of. I I feel like it also kind of has a very late swerve towards you know the kind of action kind of bloody action film that was promised from the trailer. Like it's only at about one hour, around the one hour mark that that big gaming arcade sequence happens, uh, and one hour into a two hour film, and then suddenly all your action sequences uh, are kind of packed into the second half. And I don't, I didn't think that they were very impressive. Ali Abbas Zafar, of course, as we've discussed in the Salman episode, has a a sort of up and down relationship with filming action. I think you know sometimes it works. You know, Tigers in the Air, some of it worked, but um, uh, Sultan also like the Akhada bits are good, but the MMA stuff is terrible. So it's kind of it, it. It he's not the most natural of action directors, but sometimes he gets it to work. And I think out here, I don't know. I I was a bit 
underwhelmed by most of the fight sequences and of mm. course they're trying to make it look like john wick and that's mm. uh, <laughs> yeah that's a little silly because you know you just you just had one of those and it was you know one of the best films for me of the year and uh, so with someone taking the look and and even they've even done the the silly fonts that john wick's uh, the john wick film does they even have that uh, in this film and they have the people in suits fighting and like the sort of neon look of the whole thing so it's just um, i but you know but none of its uh, none of its accomplishment in terms of fight choreography or uh the the kind of stunt persons or even shahid frankly uh so it's uh, that, that was a little uh, you know kind of calling attention to its sources but disappointing on that uh, aspect i thought hmm the, the, i i also felt like for an action thriller the action it's sort of ironic that the action thriller parts itself are underwhelming in that because there was a lot of other elements like sure the supporting characters a lot of the build up a lot of the conversations a lot of the misunderstandings um and the human reactions were you know way more entertaining than the action itself that tends to happen in films like this which sort of derive the inspiration from a bunch of sources and of course the action scenes were also too long like there was a time i think when they were fighting in the kitchen or not just, not the gaming arcade was the beginning of it all Uh, action wise but i feel like uh, when they were later fighting in the kitchen where sort of the background score disappears and we only hear like utensils and like the crunch of bones uh, which we've seen happen in a mission impossible we've seen happen in a bunch of even superhero films for that matter so um so that's why i felt like it just went on too long and that's when you started realizing that the film itself is losing focus of what it was eventually started as and i mean um it goes in a different direction and there are always two alia buzz of us i feel like directing whenever is directing a film or a series and uh, this wasn't the good part because there were twists towards the end where you know of course we knew that the kandelwal character radio kandel has been corrupt all along but he doesn't want to be exposed so he tries to fool you know dina penty and he tries to fool everyone but then he gets caught so it's it's one of those things where it starts to assume that it's clever and smart in terms of writing and i don't think that is the intent or that should be the intent of most action films they should always assume that the writing is almost secondary because a bunch of tropes it's about how you make them more entertaining visually and stylistically and you know in terms of camp or inspirations and i think that's what john wick has done so well consistently for so many years and i feel like this started focusing on the fact that it can outwit its audience when it has not really yeah. a lot of meat yeah to it. it's i mean it's, um, just i to it, like i i felt that this is a film that thinks it's kind of smarter than it actually is i got that feeling at you know several times even the way that it's just sort of parceling out information like you know we we don't know whether they're uh, you know they're doing a bust or they're doing a robbery in the beginning then we yeah. don't know that he has a son then you know then we don't uh, know the dina penty character or the rajiv khandewar character you know whether they're supposed to be good guys bad guys whether they're in with uh, sumer and uh, uh, jaggi uh, on on their uh, activities mm-hmm. and stuff and it's it's kind of it it assumes the kind of uh, a sort of uh, minimal 
minimalist uh, kind of uh, uh, information of of a smarter film but it's not a very smart film and it's not ahead of the audience i mean it's very obvious where yeah. the rajiv khandelwal character is going to end up and uh, it's it's not it's it's i don't think it's the it's the twisty kind of film that it thinks it is but it behaves that way which is a little weird yeah also i feel that uh, the film yes they said it's it's uh, it thinks it's smarter than it is because if you look at the story and by the end uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense actually like like i i was trying to draw a flowchart of sorts that who was shahid kapoor then who was he working for was he working for himself then or you know how was he then related to um, the ronitra character was he staying so there are a lot of questions if you see it that way and i feel the film till a point did a good job of distracting us from it from making us question of these little details till at the end where we were like where at least for me i was left uh, clutching at straws i don't know yeah that's um, I, i guess that's what the problem was also like eventually it sort of uh it, it sort of collapsed into its own little trap and uh, i feel like sometimes we tend to give uh, directors like ali abbas afar more credit than he deserves sometimes we also give him less credit than he deserves so i'm a little when it comes to him like a few filmmakers like him it's it's very tricky in that sense because you know there's something and of course the film thinks it's smarter than it is and it's not and uh, but at the same time you tend to like be disarmed by a few things in the film like for me your couple of performances were very fun to watch um a couple of like the way the kid was treated later was for me also fun to watch because the film also itself is sort of for me it was sort of laughing at the kid what with his diet and his uh you know um, no lactose milk and the way ronit roy reacts to that i found that all mm-hmm. quite funny and it's not out of place in a lot of like i almost expected manoj vajpay to show up somewhere because it's his kind of humor uh you, that they were really sort of flexing in the first half but you know i i think that's the problem i guess with a lot of he lies the director lies somewhere between very mainstream and like potentially pulpy and uh, i guess because of that it's always confusing to come out of his films with with did we enjoy the film more than we didn't or did we like uh, was it better uh, than we expected it or was it worse and somehow all of it applies and uh, and of course it it's always there that shahid's very like superly aggressive performance we can talk about the performances now uh, which is which is probably my favorite part of uh, at least the film um which i thought was nice because they used uh, i feel like shahid kapoor's career very well because he's known as this loose cannon in the last 4 5 years he's playing the overly masculine characters and here he's always like showing some sort of principle some sort of manner every time he gets too angry and it feels like he's at he's at um, he, he's struggling with himself as an actor and uh, i guess i mean maybe it wasn't intentional but you know you look for these things in films that use actors that are famous for a particular genre and uh, in, in that sense i didn't mind him at all like i liked him in farzi for the same reason and i i felt like year when he apologizes to say the waiter or he apologizes to the manager or or to the or to the nepali cook for that matter and then uh, he even has that very random scene in the middle of the film where he's saving a woman from like a 
very <laughs> Delhi kind of man in uh, her sort of uh, in the sort of women's restroom, and I, I felt like that was also a sort of nod to um, the kind of filmography he, because that was very much that guy he stopped was Kabir Singh technically, and for and for me that was a nice little nod to like what Shahid Kapoor represents in mainstream Hindi cinema and what he's doing in this film. And it's always a struggle. And that's why that entire ambiguity about whether the cop is corrupt or not, um, even though it wasn't clear, I, I didn't mind it eventually. I just say that I like Shahid Kapoor in frantic mode. So he's always quite enjoyable uh, to watch like that. So, you know, good, good that we weren't watching like, you know, this film would have been so much worse with Siddharth Malhotra. But you know, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine if it was like you know, Irfan or someone in you know, uh, yeah. playing this character, it would have just like then that would have just given so much more, you know, the, the relationship with the kid and everything would have come up, you know, and it would have kind of made it richer. This was one thing that I, uh, you know, what Ali Abbas Zafar has this knack of doing, which I thought was missing out here, which was he does find this emotional through line a lot of the time and it becomes very affecting somewhere in the, like in the third act, usually uh, it, it, his films do become very touching. And even with like actors like Salman, whatever, it can just come and hit you suddenly that, you know, you're really wrapped up. Uh, and out here, I was never really on any emotional level kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, brought in. And I think that's also just the, you know, slight dichotomy of this film, which maybe wants to be this kind of very genre uh, action film. But, uh, you know, since it's Ali Abbas Zafar, you know, he's he's not... Uh, quite able to commit to that because he also does like these sort of uh, sort of emotionally involving mass market kind of tales and maybe there is a bit of a, there's a bit of a mismatch out there hmm. yeah I feel the same I feel like that uh, what do they saying that that affecting bit I think he, he attempted it with that uh, with that song that comes in the hospital scene which actually threw me off completely from the film. And that's where I lost, like, I was not in the film at all. Wait, there was, a, I, was a hospital scene? Oh, then. <laughs> How did you watch this? <laughs> Who's in hospital? Uh, God, you're just, you might have just exposed yourself uh, as to how much you watch of the films there you don't so. like. Oh, my God. Uh, no, there's a montage thing happening towards the end, if you remember. Like, oh, you know, right. This, After, yeah. Yes. Like right at the end. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. By then I'm already thinking of what I'm gonna write. <laughs> yeah, so that. <laughs> I remember the awful ending after that though. I mean, that was yeah, yeah exactly. Was, like really lazy. But in terms of performances, I I really like Ronit Troy because as you uh, as Rahul said that it's a it's a, it's an iteration of what he does generally, but then he he has a lot of fun with it. And that shows, you know, that uh, lactose free milk, and he says milk bina milk, uh, pilata utuchko, or uh, the fact that, you know, Mukesh Bhatt was cast, and I felt it was, it was sort of an extension of, of his uh, rocket sing role, you know, like years down the line, he's gained enough confidence, and he is now a henchman of, of this uh, drug lord. 
and just the way he he says things that they are wasting our time or you know where is the bag he doesn't even need to make a lot of effort it's just the way he says it just uh, you know lends a lot of humor to him so yeah the, i think the performances were my uh, favorite bits from the film yeah i like that he insists speaking uh, on speaking on english in english uh, <laughs> yeah because it's almost like he's watched a lot of colombian sort of drug lord films and he's gotten very influenced uh, and for that matter even sanjay kapoor i know he can do this in his sleep but like it's always funny to watch him play a serious character who's in deep shit and because he has that look on his face all the time uh, where he's not as cool as he thinks he is and when he bursts out yeah. laughing while watching the kid interact with ronit roy is one of the funniest moments of the film also so um, yeah also it's also just like a signal to the audience right like if you put sanjay sanjay kapoor as as the kingpin and mukesh bhatt as his lieutenant it's yeah. it's obviously like that is going to be like the incompetent side of things like that is they are just not to be taken seriously and everything else you know which happens is basically where the real action is and this is just going to be like a bit of comedy mm. yeah which uh, which bring me also ha go on go on go on no just this this meltdown scene of sanjay kapoor which i really enjoyed i wanted to bring your attention to when he says what the fuck is going on and i thought he's laughing and then he starts crying and i was like oh <laughs> shit so yeah that is uh, very fun how you were saying yeah no, and that's the thing na very competent cast in general which is why like someone like diana penty really stands out right <laughs> like oh, a sort thumb and first of all yeah I, we had to circle back here because uh of course like while i think we'll, while we were watching even while uday was sort of watching uh it's frustrating to see a dana penty character she's playing a honest colleague to just for some context and she's the one who inadvertently sort of spoils uh, shahid kapoor's character's plan and then gets in the way of everyone it's almost like she isn't required in the film everyone is just uh pushing her away her boss wants to get rid of her shahid kapoor wants to get rid of her there is no place for her in this film which is why i started imagining that she's not real maybe she's she's uh, shahid uh, sumer's conscience basically because he is, he has a good sumer and a bad sumer and they are at war and maybe the uh, good sumer looks like diana penty is how i started looking wow. at things because it was an awful performance in uh, see we've seen dispensable uh characters like this in this testosterone driven film male films like this and we've seen them a lot of films um sort of having a crack at their own sort of uh very skewed um casting or their masculinity the problem here was diana penty looked like she was a robot and she sort of said her lines like she was reading out from a teleprompter and by the end it became really annoying it's almost like she wasn't trying and she was just doing her job in one day uh, and and you know sort of getting a check and bouncing but it just it did not it felt like a very screechy sort of unnecessary part of the film i know this character existed in the previous iterations of this film but uh, but i'm sure there were better ways to pull that off yeah yeah i feel like and... there is a piece waiting to okay sorry for this no 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 go on go on no i'm like i've been thinking there is a piece waiting to be written on uh, the dead girlfriend genre um, <laughs> in hindi films and i feel diana penty is even though she doesn't die in the film i mean she kind of dies but she doesn't but these are very dispensable as rahul said they are very very dispensable to the plot and uh, like because the film was fun to a certain extent i would have really liked some subversion in her role also 
you know if she was also having if the film also treated her a part of the universe which somehow it didn't uh, like she always struck out as a sort thumb yeah now that's it yeah i've uh, no no it, the cast was kind of low key enjoyable though i think something's broken inside me in which that you know no matter what ronit roy does now uh you know whether he's like you know he becomes like daniel day Day-Lew- lewis like in his you know uh, latter years i i don't think i'll ever be able to really appreciate him that much i i did not enjoy his performance as much as you guys because it just to me it just seemed like ronit roy and i can't get like ronit roy being ronit roy out of my head and uh, it was funnier than his normal stuff but even then i it kind of it just doesn't i think i think just a solid decade of him being the same guy has now kind of solidified him in my mind as this one guy and it's going to be very difficult to dislodge that but you know that may be my feeling he is kind of funny in some of the scenes when he's making fun of the kid he is he is funny and uh, yeah, yeah. and rajiv kandivar i just like ah i just i just i just find him so boring i mean he's he's never bad but he's always like he's he's never exciting to me on screen so i just and you can see that he's going to be like the villain of the piece from like 10 miles out so yeah at I, this point i want to quote uday's review where he described uh, khandelwal as uh, commendable but forgettable as he has always been which i found hilarious i mean yeah you could say the same about the director's films also uh, <laughs> but yeah that that's true actually and it's a, it's a bunch of dualities in this film which is what i've been struggling with because i i still don't know whether it's uh, enjoyable or disappointing but it's nice of uday to let us sort of uh wax eloquent about uh, about Ro- uh, ronit roy for most of the podcast and then chime in in the end thing i think he didn't say anything else. no but then he prefaced it by saying something is broken in me that yeah, i can't appreciate <laughs> i i i like the manners and the thing to let go as long as you're not as long as you're not praising atharv it's fine you know that's that's oh god yeah I mean the name Athar just makes me laugh because of Family Man because that's exactly. what Manoj <laughs> yeah and I treated uh, Athar in this film as annoying as uh, how Manoj Bhatpai finds his son in Family Man so I yeah they're all is. going to be doing that relationship now for the next 10 years it seems like even it like is. sirf ek banda kafi hai had exactly the oh, family yeah. man relationship out there oh, oh shit yes. yeah he said yeah, dude and all there also yeah yeah, yeah. Oh man buddy buddy he said yeah buddy oh god that's so stupid the worst oh that's a terrible that's a good observation but a terrible observation you should not say these things because then I, the last thing you want to say is father son relationship being screwed for the next 10 years in hindi cinema but uh, yeah anyway uh, i i think yeah i think we've given um, daddy daddy a lot of footage already uh, is there anything else both of you would like to add No, I think I said what I had to. That's about it. Why did yeah. they call it the Akshay Kumar wala antigen test? Was Akshay Kumar canvassing for antigen tests at some point? No, yeah, I didn't get that. I think it was that. an ad. No, okay, I think it was okay. an ad of these rapid antigen tests. Something. Ah, like that. I must oh, have. Okay. 
Uh, of course he was. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess that's about it with uh, for Bloody Daddy. Me and Uday will continue with uh, the Spider-Man discussion. Uh, Ishita, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is thank your cue. Thank you. To- <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. See you. Um, okay. Uh, Uday, given that I did the last one, this is your chance to shine with the synopsis of Spider-Man Across the Spid- uh, uh, Spider-Verse, second film in the franchise, uh, animated film. Uday, go for it. Wow. It's, like, that was, yeah. that was some good strategy yeah. there by you. <laughs> Taking the extremely complicated plot of Bloody Daddy and giving me Spider-Verse, which is, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so I assume that people have seen the, the first film, hopefully, so I'm not going to even get into that. Uh, uh, in the new film, which is uh, uh, directed by uh, by uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, Ken Powers, and Justin Thompson, and is uh, produced and uh, co-written by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, as the first film was. Um, so it starts off uh, with uh, Gwen, uh, who we meet in the first film, actually, and it's uh, that, uh, and it's it's a beautiful opening sequence in which we're seeing where, you know, she's sort of struggling with the, uh, you know, with her relationship with her uh, father, who's uh, a police captain. Uh, obviously, her identity is a secret from him, and uh, she's. Uh, killed Peter Parker in in her uh, in her verse. Um, uh, who Peter Parker was her friend, and she accidentally kills him. And so the police have been hunting uh, for Spider Woman, who she is uh, in secret, and uh, but um, they've not been able to catch her. And uh, uh, we see a new villain kind of come in, in uh, uh, who's inspired by Renaissance paintings. Uh, it's called the Vulture, just a beautiful, beautiful villain uh, right at the start. And there's this whole uh, fight uh, in which two more spider uh, spider people, uh, I guess you'd uh, say, uh, Jess, Drew and Miguel O'Hara arrive through a portal and they help uh, fight the Vulture and then they take Gwen with them. Uh, to uh, join some kind of society, which we find about later. That's the whole beginning. We haven't even caught up with uh, Miles Morales yet. And um, straight off, I, I thought it was just such a great start because, you know, it's uh, it's sort of not only making us wait until we catch up with the quote-unquote hero, but it's, it's introducing this... Uh, beautiful uh, animation style uh, for uh, Gwen, uh, which is a sort of washed out watercolor kind of style, which is uh, which is very different from you know what we'll see uh, you know the Miles Morales style, which continues from the first film, and then which is very different from a lot of other styles that we'll get through the film, and I think that's immediately kind of uh, in in many ways. Uh, just that opening is 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 showing the film's ambition in taking an excellent first film and just going beyond it like stylistically and with storytelling and just in every kind of ambition I think it kind of trumps the first film which was very very good uh, in in its own thing 
and then after this we uh, kind of catch up with miles uh, and he's uh, kind of also struggling to live up to his uh, you know to his parents expectations for him he's doing well in school but you know they they're still uh, worried about how much time he spends because they don't know he's actually spider-man and he's uh, out sort of fighting crime so they just think he's goofing off somewhere and a new villain enters his um, uh, his world uh, <laughs> a very uh, a very entertaining villain called the spot uh, who's uh, uh, voiced by uh, uh, by um, by schwartzman by um, uh, uh, jason schwartzman uh, and i it was bugging me through the film because i like i know this voice it is it is very familiar to me it's a very particular kind of irritating voice but i could not uh, i couldn't figure it out until you know until the end and uh, and with their um, uh, and 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 you know they they fight and uh, so miles also gets transported uh, to to another um, uh sorry that comes later i think then gwen comes back and connects with miles and then there's this whole thing where uh, she then introduces him to a society of spider people and things kind of go like that i'm doing a terrible job of summarizing this film because it's it's really very difficult to summarize yeah. i guess we'll give you a bit more of the plot as we go on raul do you want to salvage this and yeah. and kind of give it some structure Uh, no no i think you are doing a great job but yeah i will uh, i'll i'll since you talked about the lovely beginning of the film and the sort of segue into miles's life i'll take uh, take it forward from there because that for me was also what i took away the most from this very very layered and beautiful film um i'll i'll just uh, in short basically what happens is uh when as uday said when uh, introduces miles to the secret society of spider people so entirely different universe where all the spider man from all the narratives basically all the the multiverse basically all the spider mans in every iteration possible um are exi- they basically exist there and this can be like the weirdest of them all some are animals some are human some are semi humans all of them have one thing in common that they are the superheroes of their universe and they became spider man because they were bitten by a spider so miles is taken into that uh, universe by uh, by gwen and uh, that's where he meets miguel who's the leader de facto leader of this this little secret society and the conflict for me that is see the the villain spot that we introduced to i feel like he's going to have a major impact in the third film which is going to come up because there's the to be continued uh, this is the middle film at least it feels like it and uh, for me the main conflict of this film was rooted in this entire battle between um the leader of uh, of this this um, of the secret society who's uh, basically miguel and uh, and miles because miles is a newcomer and miguel sort of looks at him as a as an outsider as an anomaly and that's why a very interesting concept of this entire I feel like it's a great take on storytelling and on the fatigue of superhero storytelling and Marvel storytelling because the rule here is that all of these spider people in this universe have uh, sort of canon events which basically yeah. means that they go through tragedies that are very similar either their uncle is dying or their girlfriend's father is dying and we've seen this in all the spider-man films live action or not over the years whether shows or films over the years that all of them go through some kind of tragedy 
before they become this superhero basically they are diamonds uh, sort of made out of coal and that's more or less the, also the backstory of every almost every superhero ever they all born out of some kind of childhood trauma or tragedy and the difference here is that miles resists that canon so the canon event event is explained here in great like very elaborately by miguel saying that if there is a disruption of any of these canon events uh, it will rupture the fabric of the multiverse and for me that was really the essence of this film it was basically miles is representative of a very new kind of storytelling as if the animation isn't proof enough this was also this is also a spider man and it's not the color of his skin or his et- ethnic roots or anything it's also much more than that because this is a spider man who wants to sort of shape his own destiny and be original enough to not be part of that entire spider man canon that we've known for decades and decades that the comics have repeatedly uh, sort of reintroduced in different iterations that that films have repeatedly remade and rebooted time after time they all bear resemblances in the way spider man comes to life and the difference is miles is not willing to go down that path he realizes that his father dying has to be part of the canon and his entire conflict was the third act of this film is that he needs to save his father from dying and risk rupturing the multiverse uh, and and to sort of shape his own destiny and not be like the other spider-man that we've seen over the years i thought that was a genius sort of nod to the fatigue that we are seeing in the amount of superhero films being made and how all of them seem to look like each other sound like each other feel like each other even the reboots no matter who the actors are and i feel like miles wanting to do his own thing because there is a scene in the beginning of the film where miles counselor is speaking to his parents and miles counselor's problem is that miles isn't a story and he doesn't have a compelling enough story to be accepted in these ivy league colleges and uh, she then very subtly sort of proposes that how about we paint him as an immigrant story because the mother is uh, uh, the mother is central american the father is black uh and uh, and then both the parents sort of raise their eyebrows and we like we lead a very normal and a very comfortable life the father is on the verge of being promoted to the chief of police and the mother uh is perfectly normal there are no traumas in the family he's a very normal kid who's very smart at what he does he's good in school he's is a great student so technically he has none of the struggles that a lot of things we associate with superheroes uh uh tend to do not even the financial struggles that that the original spiderman often has in all these universes so the fact that miles is not willing to do that and defy miguel is basically the essence of his film which i thought was a great metaphor and of course we'll talk about far more than the big the animation is i think it's one of the one of the best sort of animated films i can't even call it animation actually because it's just a bunch of uh, uday you can talk about it what the hell <laughs> yeah uh yeah but uh, no just to uh, continue a bit though i thought that was so smart the idea of the canon event and uh, was, it was it was actually it was, it was so beautifully done and it kind of like in real time it kind of gives you like so much pleasure that a film is going there and it's like it's it's throwing that at you and uh, uh, you know as an audience member it's kind of challenging you and uh, making you think even 
uh, even as it's moving on and it kind of it was almost like you know if you remember Pablo Larraín's Neruda I got that yeah. same jolt when I was watching that and he starts you know thinking of himself as you know am I a secondary character in another guy's story and is no I want to be the lead <laughs> and and uh, it's 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 just that that film kind of just starts uh, you know evolving in real time and i i felt that uh, it, it happened to an extent with with spy, with the spider verse film also and even the the scene which you were mentioning with the counselor where she's uh, talking you know about how miles doesn't have an interesting enough story and then she suggests you know this very cliched thing you know oh he's an immigrant he's this and that and uh, It, it, that kind of reminded me of of how Marvel has been a lot in this uh, in in yeah. recent times with their you know it's uh, this focus on diversity and representation and making that the main you know focus of things and and almost like making people feel bad for not liking the films on on that count that you know you're in in a way being racist or being uh, you know being in some way bigoted if you are not liking a film that has so and so and so and so representation uh, checked off in boxes and i've i've found that very irritating about uh, recent marvel and it's i i like that miles completely rejects that and he just wants to be interesting in his on his own terms and be unique on his own terms and uh, he he strongly believes that he is that and he doesn't want to do like the you know the diverse kid kind of thing mm-hmm. and 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 you know get a leg up because of that he wants to you know he he wants to defy the canon and uh, it's just uh, it's it's so beautifully done and it's so smart uh, and uh, it's uh, uh what the the episode that kind of uh, uh that in in which miles kind of uh, triggers this um, the disruption of the canon is uh, is is an india interlude and yeah. i was uh, as soon as i realized they were in india i was i got really nervous because you know we we always uh, uh, get a little nervous when uh, a big hollywood film uh, lands up in india even uh, even an animated film but i thought they uh, i thought they did fairly well by bombay uh, um, yeah. uh, did you uh, did you like that mm-hmm. bit did you know it was coming i had i had no idea actually that there was a, I, i knew there was a india derived spider man mm-hmm. but i didn't know that there was actually an an india episode in the film So you were one step ahead of me. I didn't even know there was an India derived Spider-Man. So oh, I think they like... got Shubman Gill or something to voice him for like either the Hindi or the Punjabi okay. dub or something like that. That's yeah, that's Punjabi dub. Yeah, yeah, yes. And uh, I mean, I-, I can entirely understand that to be a Marvel decision in a sense that let's tap the most sort of biggest market in the world. And but you know the thing here is it doesn't feel that opportunistic. Like as you said, even I felt a little nervous when we came to Bombay. uh and it's called mumbaitan or whatever and uh, i thought it was very nicely done the indian spiderman with pavitra prabhakar or whatever his name is uh, i i feel like it was a it was a nice little segue into the heart of the film that was basically miles realizing who he is and the fact that he's an anomaly and that he is uh, in danger of sort of disrupting what we hold or what we know but what 
fans in general hold holy about the spider verse or about spider man in general which is basically disrupting uh, the traditions of the superhero film and i like the fact that they took it to india and didn't get too gimmicky about it as well because you know they could have uh, the he saves his girl uh, he saves um, i think uh, the the indian spider man girlfriend's father who's a cop in this which is basically uh, him disrupting the fabric because normally gwen's father died in the amazing spider man i think and that's that's one of the spider mans we've seen over a while and that's one of the traumas we've seen him go through and that's one of the baggages he carries around uh, we've seen traditionally and I, i like that miles sort of uses this film uses that as a jumping point into that secret society where he uh, faces off with miguel so basically it's it's an internal struggle of spider man itself which is all the spider mans trying to hunt the most modern of them down and because that person is not willing to play the race card he's not willing to play the diversity card and he wants to do it on his own terms and he doesn't want his father to die he doesn't want to go through any kind of tragedy to become this uh, larger than life sort of your neighborhood superhero of, of brooklyn and I, i i just thought as you said you know it's it's such a genius way of doing uh, most a lot of films would have been very satisfied with the fact that they've cracked this you know this metaness where yeah. you're basically taking down marvel also and you're using a marvel character you're addressing the fatigue of you know all these years you're addressing that very opportunistic diversity wokeness thing that marvel has been doing for so long um and you're subverting everything you're doing it very very elegantly but uh, you'd be happy at the writing level that you cracked the premise but the visual language of the film the animation of the film where every frame sort of is just as you said you know the wash out animation for gwen um this almost sort of hybrid of crayon animation and computer animation and a bunch of things for miles uh, and that chase sequence between the spidermans at this in in that uh, in that secret society universe which took um, i read later took some 3 or 4 years to compose and you, you can you imagine can that that was just the level of detail on that itself would put in and just you know so so many styles i mean we are not even yeah. uh, there's there's this um, there's this british spider man called spider punk uh, yeah. who who's uh, who's rendered in this sort of collage style it's almost like yeah. those punk zines that you have with like a bit of uh, you know which with a bit of poster a bit of graffiti and it's all sort of just put together haphazardly and he looks like that so his 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 entire thing he looks like a bit of a walking collage uh, out there and uh, the spot looks like a sort of modern art walking installation uh, in a weird way is just like just some lines and dots moving in a sort of abstract landscape and that's crazy and the amazing thing is then you put all this together in one frame so you have like all these styles kind of interacting with each other uh, as as the characters interact with each other and uh, it's 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 just it's just mind boggling i i i just i i i cannot even I, you can't even take it all in because it just moves so fast which is a thing with the you know uh, the lord miller films in general they mm-hmm. will always they've always moved super super fast and like you cannot you really don't have time to take it in 
but the kind of i mean i just just the sheer beauty of the animation is 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 unbelievable and mm-hmm. i mean i'm not the right person to really talk about this because i don't watch much popular animation now uh but um uh it it really did seem like they've kind of i don't know they've uh i don't know if you watched this series on netflix called love death and robots uh and some of the better parts of that reminded me of some of the ambition uh, uh in this in, in just in terms of the animation and in terms of the, the the sort of richness of it all uh and and the ambition of it uh, it was is quite stunning yeah you you know you could pause it at any frame and there's so much detail in it and there's so much within context of the you know it's basically like watching a 100 spiderman movies collide together and all having their own kind of animations and the sort of cultural oddities of every animation put together and you can't even like it's not one genre it's 100 genres all of them have their own eccentricities they're little like as you described the british one so nicely the indian one has its own gwen has her own uh, miguel has his own it's it's all so many universes just the sheer ambition of it even if they hadn't pulled it off i would have been impressed but the fact that they have i was just stunned and i and as you said so much happening right every scene every frame you close your eyes you'll miss like maybe two years worth of work it's one of those kind of things yeah. where there and it really did the ingenuity of it all Reminded me of I don't know if you remember we watched Ruben Brand Collector a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, that really is. Where almost every frame was in painting uh, of the sort of uh, the art that uh, the the heist. It's an art heist film, and every frame is almost an abstract sort of painting. And to do something like that, and Ruben Brand wasn't as successful narratively because no. it was more yeah. or less. a very conventional heist film but it's it's sort of its entire essence was that its visual language was that that they are making the film in language of the art that's being stolen and um, this is uh, on another level because it's narratively just as poignant as it is visually and it's in, it's so incredibly difficult to do and i went to watch like a friday morning show um i i and i remember going to the theater and there were bunch of kids come dressed as a spider as spiderman as normally you see the case in most marvel sort of film releasing and um, funny thing so is this, when we were so watching this is sony film, i think uh, yeah this is sony and you know using the entire marvel character thing and uh, funny thing because while and the film is quite long two and a half hours i think and uh, when i was watching the film all the kids who had come in their costumes and who were like all ready to cheer another spiderman went quiet and the parents who had come with the kids were looking on in like they were absolutely spellbound like i was looking at people in the theater and the parents suddenly became like don't disturb us and the kids didn't know what to do because this isn't a children's film it's not the children's animation film that a lot of people even the first film veered towards that zone that territory but this is yeah. very much an adult sort of very much a film like the animation the medium itself is sort of a vehicle a vessel to achieve what it's saying narratively and that's why i think like it's not like just because it's sort of animation doesn't mean it's a children's film and you could see it from the way the children were reacting and they went quiet they didn't know what was happening most of the time can't blame them for that because even as adults we were sort of struggling to keep up with every scene but it was so rewarding um and it was suited towards our vision towards our world view towards our experiences and towards our um 
entire lifetime of growing up on animated films and superhero films and i thought that lifetime that cumulative sort of experience of going through this entire marvel um this entire marvel sort of grind that's been happening for the last 10 or 12 years it all sort of really uh, paid off in the way the film put across that message and i'm very much looking forward to the to the, what i'm guessing is the final film of this franchise i'm very much not looking forward to seeing the flash this week because uh, that's <laughs> also going to be like multiverse shenanigans and uh, are, are you going to watch it or yeah i am oh brilliant i love that uh, i i miss watching another dc uh, train wreck with you but uh, yeah still uh, i'm i'm glad you're also going to suffer through it maybe we'll be surprised but you know i'm not holding out much hope because it's already become like this uh, terrible gimmick right like the multiverse thing we touched upon it in um, in in uh, everything everywhere uh, pod where we yeah. we said that you know how that film kind of re-energizes a multiverse the you know this whole multiverse i think which is which is crazy because it should not re- need re-energizing considering that like they've only done that like you know for a few films so it's not like yeah. it's a very old trick or something but it already feels stale right because yeah. i mean this this the 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 live action spiderman got all the spiderman and now uh, uh, this the flash is going to bring back batman yeah. who the hell knows else lex luthor or martin brando who knows <laughs> so yeah it's it's going to be uh, yeah that's 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 probably going to be a bit excruciating and um, i don't know just the the fleet footedness of this and uh, obviously there are things that animation can do you know which uh, you know where live action film just you know no matter how uh, uh how inventive it is will not get there but there is also you know as we've been saying this ambition in the storytelling and in the in in, in how it's kind of pushing its audience which uh, is something that we haven't seen from any of the live action uh, superhero films in a very long time yeah for sure and and that's why i remember even mentioning everything everywhere all at once in my review like it did reenergize the entire multiverse parallel universe template that marvel has absolutely de- absolutely destroyed and uh, it's funny as you mentioned it's been only a couple of years and we are already tired of it and i did play spiders in the same sort of ambition ambition scale as everything everywhere all at once because it does change the way you look at this trope that has been overused so much over the last couple of years and uh, and that's exactly how i started my piece also I was like you know i get so nervous when i hear of multiverse now because it just it i'm so sick of it and now dc is starting it and like they just need an excuse to put all the superheroes possible in one frame and like prey on our nostalgia and it just it becomes it's become such a commercial gimmick and such a predatory sort of device that it's so nice to see films like spiderverse and like everything everywhere all at once and all these films sort of really challenging the way you're supposed to look at these inherently sci-fi concepts um you're not supposed to dumb them down and turn them into an excuse to uh, put every superhero on the planet in one frame you're supposed to use it for more than that to say something more about superheroes about the world we live in about our relationship with superhero films and this is exactly what spider-verse does and that's why you know i'm i'm I, I, of course you know who knows you can be surprised by flash i won't be holding my breath but i have been surprised more often than not 
in the last year or two uh, with a few superhero films and so you know who knows but again uh, it doesn't take away from our entire sort of wariness with the multiverse template and that's exactly what spider-verse sort of um, inverts so well and uh, has re-energized at least renewed my faith in this particular narrative gimmick and i'm very much looking forward to the third film and even talking about the third film or writing about the third film yeah uh no me too i i missed out on writing on this one so hopefully the third one by then i'll try and pick up the courage to write about animation uh, <laughs> yeah or oh, be like me who knows nothing about animation but still uh, <laughs> can do a good job of pretending <laughs> yeah, i'll have to probably do that yeah but uh, yeah i guess that's about it uh, in terms of um, um, spider man across the spider verse which was the second film in this franchise uh, third film uh, expected to come out i think next year um lot of work i'm guessing going into these films uh, i did, i do remember watching the first film and not being as impressed as a lot of people were but this film totally you know blew my mind and uh, it really is a path breaking franchise in terms of superheroes in terms of animation so do watch it if you haven't already it is still playing in some cinemas i hope and yeah. uh, try and catch it hmm. while it is in cinemas because uh, yeah. my god on the big screen uh, my god uh, you know uh, and it's it's really worth the big screen because the you know the details that you'll pick out are just um, you know they won't get that on when you're watching it later even though it will be a lot of fun even if you're watching it on your laptops in a few months but try and yeah. catch it in theaters yeah i'm actually looking forward to watching it on my laptop eventually of course we watched it on the big screen great for effect but now i can pause shit and see what they've done with every single scene and it'll be fun that way but yes as we said as we recommend please do watch it the first time at least if possible on the biggest screen possible because it is really that kind of film that effect will you can't describe the feeling and this is what the big screen is meant for and this is why we miss it so often so so do watch it and don't wait for it to just come on a streaming platform and watch it there first time and then uh, turn on us for saying it was a special film and because you know you didn't feel it the same way uh, but uh, yeah so that's about it for podcast uh, this week we'll be back soon again with uh, whatever next week or next week next, next, next week sports film apparently which one i think medan is releasing oh is, yes that is next week uh, which is weird because they kind of did a very they did a quite an intriguing teaser a couple of months back and then i don't know if a trailer ever released and like uh, remas on the soundtrack but i don't think any music is released so that would be really weird but apparently mm. it's next week yeah there's been a couple like there's been a couple of release dates that have been fake over the months and i think medan i don't know if it's releasing next week or not but i haven't seen any publicity material so far yet this week so let's hope and uh, if it's a sports film you can count on at least to then me to definitely be discussing it uh we will be back soon uh with ishita and uh, we'll be talking about film soon do write into us if you have or do tweet to us if you have any recommendations and thanks for listening we'll see you soon